Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast exists to bring together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Man Talks exists to help develop self aware, high performing, and impactful men in the world, the type of men you want to be around, and the type of man you want to be. Before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to remind all the guys out there to head over to Facebook, go to facebook.com forward slash man talks community and join the community, join the conversation. We talk about everything from fitness to finance to fatherhood, you name it, we jam on it. It is a great time in there. There are men from all over the world who are part of that community and we are growing extraordinarily quickly. Uh, So we have daily conversations. We've got some challenges, so you'll definitely want to check that out and to head on over to mantalks.com. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but we have a brand new website. Check it out. We've got some great blog posts, some great podcasts. And don't forget to check out mantalks.com forward slash mastermind and check out some of the mastermind groups that we have launching in Vancouver, in Calgary, and in Toronto up and coming. Feel free to check it out. If you have any questions, email me at info at mantalks.com or you can just apply and get to know a little bit more about what the mastermind is all about. If you're looking for accountability, if you're looking for a group of men who are going to support you and have your back and hold you accountable to the goals and results that you say you want in your life, then this might be for you. All right. So joining me today on the podcast is a very special gentleman. Him and I have actually been friends for a while, but we've never met in person because this guy is a world traveler. So joining me today, I have Mr. Cameron Brown from The Thriving Collective. Now, Cameron's a pretty cool individual. He's got a great story. He was born and raised in the outback of Australia. He's very passionate about showing people what's possible, no matter where they come from, no matter what background they come from. And he believes that everyone deserves the opportunity to be happy, to live fully, to experience the world and genuinely feel like they have made a positive impact, no matter how big or how small that is. So really what he's talking about is purpose. So he's come from a very humble background. On this episode today, we are going to jam on a few things. We're going to talk about impact. How do we shift and create meaningful, lasting change in our own lives? We're also going to talk about impact on other people. How do we create businesses? How do we create leadership and cultures that actually impact other people and, and help shift their lives? So we dive into uh, we dive into a few things. We also talk about some of his journeys because Cameron has documentary filmmaker. Uh, he does some pretty incredible trips where he'll bring people to some remote places on Earth. And so we talk about travel as well and some of the places that you should check out in the future. So without any further ado, I would like to bring in Mr. Cameron Brown. Hey, it's good to be here, Connor. Glad to be here. Awesome, brother. And where are you today? Just uh, so our listeners know that you're a, a globetrotter. Uh, I've just flown down a couple of days from Colombia to Buenos Aires. And uh, yeah, so got here and I've got a grand piano here that I'm, I'm creating some music on at the moment. Amazing, amazing. Well, I hope you're enjoying it. It sounds like you have pretty, pretty darn good Wi-Fi, which is you're gonna have to like. Maybe we'll have uh, uh, in the footnotes like where you stayed, so that in case people are going to Buenos Aires, they can check out the place that you stayed with good Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, so we're gonna we're gonna kick off today as we always do with the question. Uh, so tell us a, a story about a defining moment that made you who you are today. Yeah, 
I think going back, it was only reasonably recently, going back into 2016, March 2016, I had expanded events, um, peer network events that I was running in Australia um, in four locations um, and decided to expand them out internationally to the US. I had no relationships there at all um, at the time. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't even know how to dial a US phone number. So, <laughs> But you know, four months later, I was running events in New York and LA and on the flight back, there was this little nagging feeling, this little nagging thought in my mind of there's, there's stuff that's just sitting at home, wasting away. Somebody else would be better off with it than I would. And I didn't do anything about it that time because I went straight into the planning for the next tour, which was going to be seven cities to include Toronto the next time around. And that came around in July and it was an incredibly intense two weeks over in the US. I flew straight in the next day, recorded music in Santa Monica in a recording studio there, then ran the ran events in Toronto, flew back to LA, did a speaking engagement, flew to New York the next morning, ran the event there, flew back to LA, ran the event there, had a photo shoot, went from the photo shoot to the airport and flew back to Australia to run the events there. It was like just an in, in, intense time and I ended up getting uh, a little sick not too bad, but just run really run down uh, after two of the events in Australia, and I had a few days just to recharge. And, and I, I knew that something wasn't really sustainable in the, the the business model that I had then. And so I went about shifting things around. I really still had that in my mind of there's there are things just uh, sitting at home and uh, not being used, and it, it ends up leading me to selling or donating basically everything that I own uh, or 99% of the things that I used to own um, and embarking on this uh, this global quest, this project that I have now, which is to help people make a greater impact in the world and doing that as I travel the globe. So there was, uh, yeah, uh, it, it, was, it was a big moment. And I think one of the big reasons for getting rid of things is uh, showcasing that you don't need things to be happy. Uh, second is that we're living in excess right now as a species. And something that really drove home for me was a documentary I saw a while ago called I Am. And it was by a guy named Tom Shadyak. And he's the guy who created a lot of the early Jim Carrey movies like Ace Ventura and things like that, which I love. I, you know, more and more people that don't even know what they are anymore are starting to feel older. But um, uh, he said near the end, because he had all the mansions and all the, you know, all the bells and whistles from a, from a, a monetary and a materialistic point of view. Uh, but near the end, because he ended up getting rid of everything that he, basically everything that he owned. He said, we have a name in the body for something that takes more than it needs. We call it cancer. And that really hit me hard. I thought, we as a species on this planet right now, we're living in excess. We're living as a cancer. And what does a cancer do? Um, at the end of the day, it eats itself um, and ends up killing the thing that's actually keeping it alive. So um, that really led to wanting to be able to help the planet, not only people. And that's where we are today. Amazing, man. Yeah, I've, I've uh, seen that documentary and... Mm. Tom Shadyak is a, is a, I mean, a pretty incredible guy. And it's a, it's an incredible story, right? Cause here you have somebody who goes from, you know, the sort of like middle class to having everything and more that he could ever possibly imagine. Mm. And, uh, it, it really is interesting because that's what a lot of people are seeking, right? We're, we're all working towards, uh, this goal of like, quote unquote, having it all. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it really, it really is incredible. And it's, and it's incredible to see even Jim Carrey's journey and the journey that he's been on. I was recently in Guatemala and uh, helped to refurbish a school and we were down there. And one of the guys that was down there, his name was Bob. I won't, I won't give his full name, but he actually helped to produce Ace Ventura and a few of those movies and, and create the, uh, create like the marketing for them and all that other kind of stuff. And we were talking about this, this concept of like, how much is enough? You know, how much, how do you know when enough is enough? Like, is it 10 million? Is it a hundred million? Like, you know, it, it, it can, it can, you can just keep going and you can just keep, you know, making more and making more and making more. And, and it's never, you're never satiated. You know, it's like if, if money was food, some of us just get into this space where we just keep eating and we're never happy with it. We actually never feel full and we actually never enjoy our meal. And he used that analogy and that like, that was like a, you know, a pretty hard hit for me. And, and I think that we see that today where a lot of people are starting to question, okay, it's not just enough to make money but I need to make meaning in my life. And I, you know, one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because at least from the ex, you know, external, I, I don't know you super personally, but we've talked quite a few times, but at least from the outside, it looks like you've really built this life intentionally and you've, you've designed it in a very specific way and you've, you know, got rid of the things that you, that you don't need. And so one of the things that I definitely wanted to touch on today is, you know, a, how do you create a greater impact in the world and, and B, how do you start to, you know, create your life in very intentional ways so that whether you work a nine to five or whether you have your own company or wherever you are in the world that you are, you're consciously and intentionally designing your life. So so let's start with let's start with a little bit of of curiosity and impact. Let's just start with impact. How do you create greater impact in your life? Where do you start? What are some of the some of the things I know that you you know you talk about the three different levels: self, others, and, and planet. Yeah. Um, where what do people need to know about impact? Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a few things to unpack here. The first, you know, what you covered there was really really powerful. I think because. At the end of the day, the reason why a lot of people are looking to generate things in their life or you know build out business or build out other things is to fill a void for something they believe they don't have versus using it to enhance who they already know that they are. And that's really important to understand because if you are just using it to fill a void, then there's not going to be any meaning in that. And it's, and it's going to be very short lived in terms of how long the satisfaction lasts for. Whereas if you're using things like you mentioned about food, for example, or growing a business, using it to enhance who you already know that you are, then that's a whole different story. And that's, I think, where the first part from an impact point of view is if you can be making an impact in other people's lives, but if you're not making an impact in your own personal life and positively impacting yourself, becoming your own best friend, then that's a, that's a problem. That is going to lead you to need the external validation from things outside of you rather than allowing you to get the validation from yourself first and then spread that outward. And especially if you're starting a business or, or something else that maybe isn't 
giving, <laughs> there's necessarily, especially in the beginning, isn't necessarily giving you the external validation, then you're needing to get the validation from somewhere. And if you can build in the reference points internally, first and foremost, then you're going to be start, able to start making an impact in your own life. So self definitely comes first because you, you can't impact externally, genuinely and wholly and completely until you're fully impacting yourself first and foremost. So that's what I'd say first first up is become your own best friend. The other part when it, when it comes to, I guess, designing this is understanding, well, what is it that I'm wanting to experience from an emotional point of view? This, this comes down to you becoming, again, your own best friend. What are the things that I'm wanting to experience on an emotional point of view? Not the, not the things that I'm wanting to experience on a physical point of view, but what are the emotions? You know, for me personally, the big parts of it's like freedom and adventure and happiness and fun and laughter and all of these pieces are built into the brand now, but they've first been about well, what is it that I'm wanting to experience so that I know that as I go about doing things, then that's going to allow the version of myself that I'm wanting to create to expand out even more. And I know we'll, we might talk about curiosity shortly, but that's, that, that's a big part. The other part is understanding that as to what your talents and strengths are. Knowing and understanding what they are, you can go about then utilizing them to make a greater impact. I'm a big believer that everybody has their unique set of talents and strengths and it just comes down to whether we are making an impact either positively or negatively in the world on those three different levels. And, and I think that this is probably the final part to, to touch on here is, is those, are those three levels, self, others, and, and, and planet. If you're only making an impact in your own life, and you could be achieving all the success that you like and maybe even helping other people as well. But if that's at the detriment of the planet, then your success is actually speeding up the rate at which we screw things up on this pl on planet Earth. And I think nowhere near enough has been talked about from uh, people's own individual success as well as company success, as well as government success, uh, about how are these three levels working together and ensuring that they're aligned so that, people are actually making an impact that's actually moving our planet forward versus the you know, uh, facilitating the, the challenges that we're experiencing on planet Earth um, around climate change and around extinction of, of, of species. I, I think it's really, really important to be thinking bigger picture than just, uh, than just yourself. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, what I've seen from working with hundreds and hundreds of men and speaking with thousands of men around North America is that when those things aren't aligned, that's when they're not fulfilled. You know, like if they're, if they're building a product or if they're a part of a company or if they are delivering a service that they don't believe in or that isn't having a positive impact, I always see them struggling. Some part of their life is completely fucked up for lack of a better word yeah. because they are out of alignment and they know that they're out of alignment. So I think the interesting part, you know, just to go back by to, to what you're talking about with, with impact and being your own best friend, I think that a lot of people conceptually understand this, that like we need to have a certain level of, of reflection and we need to have a certain level of self-compassion. I think that it's the action. Like a lot of people are like, okay, I understand that I need to be able to do this, but how do I actually go about doing that? So in your travels and your insight and working with people, what have you seen work really well for people to start to cultivate that relationship with self? Because it's something that I have seen so many men struggle with and women too. It's not to, not to downplay that because they struggle as well, but it's something that I've seen a lot of guys really struggle with is this relationship to self. So where would you say that guys should start? 
Yeah, and, and it's something I used to struggle with big time as well. Really, uh, you know, there were times in my life, where, earlier on in life, where I didn't even want to be here anymore. And so I've so I've been there. I've been on both both ends of the spectrum, and 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 it does take work to to learn this stuff and 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 work it out. But some of the key things when I when I first embarked on this journey, I guess, which is you know coming up seven years ago now, of just immersing myself in this in, in understanding how the mind works and how we can utilize it to make a greater impact in the world. I wasn't my own best friend at that time. And I had to learn how to overcome the challenges that I was experiencing. One of the things that I that I actually did with myself, uh, which has worked really well with clients as well, is I played a game with myself. Nobody now I, I went through and spent, you know, invested a huge amount of money in in this education, but but no one really told me this part. I just decided to do it because I'm probably just a kid at heart and I love games. Uh, but I, I started playing a game with myself, and let's say I was spiraling out of control for a week, for example, or longer. Instead of beating myself up about it, when I became aware of the realization that, hey, I'm beating myself up right now because I wasn't conscious of the things that I was doing, it was all going on unconsciously, subconsciously, then instead of beating myself up about it, I'd say, ah, okay, it was seven days that time. Next time it's going to be six. And just like in a sporting match, where if in a, let's say it's a basketball game or NFL game or in Australia, Australian rules footy game, you know, whatever it is, if they have a bad game, they don't just give up. They don't just stop. They don't just say, oh, it's over. They don't beat themselves up. They might, they might a little, but mostly, especially a really high performing team, instead of the beating up, they go, right, this is what worked. This is what didn't. This is what we've got to change. This is what we're going to do on the training track this week and what we've got to do to actually make sure that we're going to compete next week and be, and, and be able to be much better and ideally win the match, right? And so the game really, it was then six days and then, okay, it's going to be five days. Now it's going to be four. And then maybe I had a really bad match, all right, in life and it went back out to seven. Now, that's a moment where a lot of people, again, will beat themselves up because they're not making the progress they ideally wanted to make. But instead, the playfulness about it, the curiosity about how you might be able to get back, and the playfulness in terms of a game, all of a sudden, it makes it more fun rather than serious. Because when it's serious, you're more likely to give up than if something's fun and you're actually looking forward to doing it. And so if you can make fun and lightheartedness of the challenges that you're experiencing, it doesn't diminish the, the seriousness of needing to actually overcome them, but it does allow you to overcome them in a more uh, inspired fashion versus a forceful fashion because inspiration wins long-term over force any day of the week. So playing that game with yourself, I, I found it just massively valuable for me. And I built in the, the behavioral strategies, the emotional intelligence strategies that I was learning to be able to overcome them when I became aware that I was sabotaging my behavior. And so maybe just a couple other key tips around this is it was, I, I, and, and here's the thing. The lessons that uh, that lesson, as well as the other lessons that I that I learned like six, seven years ago, I'm still bringing them in and still learning them on new levels. I was in um, uh, when I was in Colombia, I was filming uh, for a uh, a project in Rio Claro, uh, and I'd just gone out to shoot um, some drone footage early morning. And the night, but you know, I was I was you know back into it and, and really enjoying it again because the night before 
I, I was feeling out of alignment. I was feeling disempowered. I was feeling like uh, these problems and these challenges that in the world are much bigger than what, you know, what, what I'm capable of solving. Like these things were flowing through my mind. And uh, because I'd, I'd seen mining companies and seen deforestation occurring and it was full on, right? And so exposing myself to new external environments, it's, uh, it's a way of you stepping up and learning new levels of thinking. Because when I felt out of alignment, I knew within myself because of previous reference points that getting out into nature is a really great way for me to be able to just connect again and recharge. So that's one big part, one big point for those listening in is find the things that allow you to feel aligned again so that when you're in those moments of disconnection and feeling out of alignment, you know your go-to places. For me, it's nature. And so I walked down with my backpack on because the room that I had didn't have any locks on it and I had you know, my drone and laptop and computer and everything else. So I carried that with me. It was uh, just getting on evening. And I walked down and there was this uh, uh, like rocks next to this river um, that was flowing down, Rio Claro. And, and I found, it, found a spot and I went to sit down. And as I went to sit down, my foot slipped on one of the rocks. And what happens when, when you start falling back and you've got a really heavy thing on your back is you fall right back. And my head smashed against some rocks and my arm bent backwards as well. Like I was in some serious pain and uh, I was all alone there and, and I kind of sat back up. And as I, as I looked at the river, I remembered something that I, I heard Jackie Chan. No, not Jackie Chan. Uh, who's the other guy? Uh, the other guy who, uh, Bruce, Bruce Lee. Lee, there it is, Bruce Lee. Oh man. Uh, so Bruce Lee had said, be like water. And it was beautiful because the, the, the river was flowing down. And, uh, I remember this because I take my clients through this constantly. Every single time that I'm working with a new client, this is one of the strategies I talk about because if you're flowing down a river and you're the physical person and you're flowing down and you come into some rapids, then you're going to get battered and bruised up. You're going to get hit. You're going to get possibly dead by the time you get out into the ocean if, uh, if the rapids are big enough. Whereas if you're the water and you're just flowing down that stream, you're going around the rocks, around the rocks, flowing down beautifully all the way down to the ocean. And so when it comes to life, it's about understanding that if you're rigid in your approach and you need things to go a certain way, then you're setting yourself up for pain, just like in the river. Whereas if you're like the water and you're flowing around those, which one of those pieces is, okay, it's not going to be seven days this time, it's six and then it's five. Oh, it went out to seven again. That's just, oh, we float around a big rock. Oh, we float around another big rock. Oh, it's nice and smooth sailing now. Oh, there's another big rock, right? Having the curiosity about how you might get there, the flow in how you're going to achieve it, and allowing yourself the flexibility in how you're going to go about things allows you to be in control as much as you can be in control of your environment rather than your environment controlling you, which gives you ultimate empowerment and allows you to feel like you've got your best interests at heart as a, as a human being. So there are a couple of the things that I'd, I'd suggest. I love it, man. I love it. So, so let's switch gears a little bit and dive into this idea of, you know, creativity and curiosity and, and how we can leverage curiosity on a different level. Because I think that oftentimes, you know, especially when we're stuck, especially when we're in, you know, a low place or our life might not be going the way that we want or our job is struggling or our relationship is struggling. Usually what I've found is that 
curiosity is one of the first things to go, right? We stop being mm -hmm. curious about how to maybe solve the issue or the challenge or the problem that we're facing. And we stop being curious about why it's even being caused in the first place. So let's just talk a little bit about the, you know, you talk about the creativity principle. It's something that you discuss quite a bit. And so can you just unpack some of the basics of that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think there's yeah, a couple of couple of stories to share here. First up around thinking, and then second around the curiosity principle and really how that how that works. Because I'm a big believer that curiosity is the gateway to creativity and innovation. And if you close off from curiosity, close off from vulnerability, you're closing off from the things that uh, allow you to be creative. The other other part, just briefly, is uh, around you mentioned about thinking and being able to solve specific problems. I was in the Blue Mountains of Australia doing rock climbing at one day uh, about a couple of years ago. And I, near the start, I had a guide, somebody teaching me um, some new strategies around how to get up different rock faces, depending on what they were. And near the start, she said, there's going to be times when you're going up the rock face and it's look, going to look like there's nothing that you can do to get up. In that moment, think laterally. Look, look across, there's likely going to be a rock or something else you can use that's to, your, to the side of your vision to allow yourself to get up the rock face. And I didn't use it for the entire day until the final climb. And there was a couple of pictures. It was the highest climb that we'd done for the day. And I, I didn't even get up that high. Like I was only, you know, maybe only a few meters off the ground. And I looked, I thought, there is no way of me getting up further. And then it popped into my mind, think laterally. And I looked to the to my right, and there was a place that I could like get my right leg up, and then launch myself up further, and I was able to continue on. And I think it's a really valuable thing when it comes to it from a thinking standpoint, and and curiosity as well. Is well, if you're focused on the problem, then I mean that that's the stuff that created the problem in the first place. So where focus goes, energy flows. So you look at things that aren't the problem. So you look at the solutions that you could have that are outside of the problem, just like the right hand side uh, where I was able to get my leg up. And so questions in uh, in life are extremely powerful. And in the moment of challenges arising, the language that you utilize within yourself goes a long way in determining what result you get. And so if your language isn't disempowering of, oh, this thing happened again, I can't believe it. Um, what, what was I even thinking? I'm never, I was never cut out for this in the first place. If that language is what you're utilizing, then that's the outcome you're going to experience in your life. Instead, utilize questions that start with how, for example, what questions can be powerful as well. But how questions are incredibly important in allowing yourself to come to solutions because they presuppose that there is a solution. What are, what are the options that I have available to me? How can I solve this? Yeah. How can I solve this? Presupposes there is a way to solve it and your mind starts looking for that answer. And so the language that you're utilizing is incredibly important when it comes to solving the challenges. And then when it comes to curiosity, I mean, this not only with people's challenges, but I think it's beaten out of us as children in schooling system. I mean, who's, who's the person in, uh, in the class who asks all the questions is seen as annoying. You know, by the teacher, they need to keep on the schedule. They need to keep to the curriculum. Um, and all of a sudden, somebody starts asking questions. And there's been studies done to show how many questions a kid asks right at the start of school. And by the end of school, there was barely any questions being asked by them. And so the curiosity, they're losing sight of that. And from the last two and a half years, especially in my, in my life, both personally and professionally, curiosity has been, 
I'd say the biggest, the biggest asset to the experience that I've been able to have and experiencing things that I never even dreamed were possible. That comes from having a, I, I say, I talk about a, a childlike curiosity, but doing it strategically, you know, understand what are the emotions that you're wanting to experience on a consistent basis in life? As, as I talked about earlier, once you understand that, then start asking questions of curiosity. One of the beautiful questions to ask is, I wonder what else is possible. I wonder, right? Oh, I wonder what, what else is possible. If I can achieve this, then I wonder what else I could do. Notice the tone of my language is curious. It's childlike, but it's specific to an area as well. I wonder how I could experience more freedom. I wonder how I could experience more happiness. Oh, if I did this, then I wonder what would be possible. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're directing your curiosity in a way that you're wanting to go, which is what's then allowing you to experience the life that you want without needing to control every step of the way. On the other hand, if you're just a child going out, it's like, oh, I wonder if I'll like put this dirt in my mouth or I'll try this. And like, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's scattergun approach, which is what I went through and a challenge that I had early on in my company um, and the development of this is I'm a creative guy, right? I write music, I create films. I, I, I love the creative process, but it can be my greatest asset or my greatest liability. The greatest liability comes when it becomes a, uh, shiny thing syndrome type of approach, which is, uh, oh, oh, I could do this. Oh, I'll implement this strategy. Oh, I'll try this now. And man, did I try a lot of things early on. And yeah, that allowed me to fail fast. But now having an understanding that, what, there are the emotions that I'm wanting to experience. How could I experience even more of those to allow my mission to come to fruition? Then all of a sudden, the curiosity is being guided and then structure is around that curiosity. So that's a big, that it's a big part um, having the curiosity about where things might go, not needing to know exactly how it's going to occur. I mean, if you said that uh, even three or four months ago that I'd be in, in Argentina, in Buenos Aires with a concert-grade grand piano in my apartment here where I can create music after being in the rainforest in, uh, in Colombia, creating a film for a sh- reforestation project and filming for dr- like drone footage of rain- waterfalls and all other cool stuff like that, I, I would have said you're crazy. So th- there's something to be said for allowing the curiosity to create through you rather than you trying to create it yourself. That's from a creative process point of view. I mean, it's, it's the difference between allowing things to flow through you rather than things getting stuck in you because you're trying to force it. Yeah. And it seems like this, this is a good uh, sort of like segue into how we can, how we can integrate a little bit more creativity uh, into our lives on a daily basis. Because I think one of the big things is, is that, you know, we all want to have a little bit more time for play. We all want to have a little bit more time to like get out, whether it's, going outdoors and going hiking or climbing or integrating some, you know, some time to play music or create art in our life or write and like whatever that looks like. I think for a lot of for a lot of people, it really is this space where they get to where they get to like sink into different part of their different part of their life. And so for the people that are out there that are listening that want to have a little bit more creativity in their life. What are some recommendations that you can suggest in terms of really being almost like tactical about it? Like for me, the one thing that I've done is I bought a, a, a keyboard for my apartment that has weighted keys. So it kind of, it kind of emulates a regular piano and I will work for a set amount of time. And then once I'm, you know, once I'm kind of getting maxed out after like 60 minutes or 90 minutes, 
I'll take a break. I'll go stretch and then I'll sit down at the piano and I'll play the piano for five or 10 minutes. And that's like my creative break. And it allows me to sort of like shift gears in, in my brain. And so, you know, for entrepreneurs that might be possible for people that, you know, are working in an office, they might not be able to uh, bring a piano into their office, but what are some ways that they can start to inject and integrate creativity into their, uh, into their daily routines? Yeah, I think there's uh, the the strategy that you mentioned there is I think is really important to to talk about just from a creative point of view versus the the desire to have more creativity and enjoyment. Uh, so I think there's two parts. Let's we'll talk about that as well as the the tactical side because the tactical side is you've got um, not only circadian rhythms in your in your makeup, which is your your body clock to wake up every day and go to sleep. Um, you also got ultradian rhythms. Usually they go for anywhere, but you, know, you said about ninety minutes to one hundred twenty minutes or so. And these are the rhythms you go through where you've got you can be intensely focused, and then there'll be a time where you know, let's say you're sitting in an office block, for example, or like you said, uh, maxing out from a work point of view. You become like your might, eyes might become defocused, or you'll be wriggling in your chair, or you might stretch. A little or there's a little fidgeting that you do that's a that's a sign that your body is is coming down off of that old traded rhythms and it's and it's a time to be able to recharge and uh and take a break from a linear type of thinking and so whether it's playing the piano whether it's uh having music that you can listen to if you're in a in in a city somewhere uh, or downtown somewhere, then maybe finding a small park that you can walk to for five or 10 minutes and going in these rhythms where you're going and sprinting for 60 to 90 minutes, taking a small five to 10 break or up, up, up to 20 minutes, going again, taking a break, going again, taking a break. It's a beautiful way for creativity to flow and for you to still get shit done um, because creativity all the time, <laughs> you're going to be very creative and come up with all these ideas, but nothing's going to actually get executed. So having a blend of both is really important. And that that rhythm is is incredibly valuable thing to be able to inject into yourself because what happens is a lot of people try to override the rhythm with chocolate or uh, or just working through or shaking it off. It's like no, I've got to get this done. You're much more productive and much higher performing on a long term sustainable level if you're taking those breaks regularly and allowing creativity to flow because. You know, when do you, where do your best ideas come out? They don't usually come out when you're flat out at, at a computer. It's where you're in a park somewhere walking through the trees. Uh, it's, you know, out, you might, might have gone for a toilet break. Uh, it could be just when you're going for a walk. It might be when you're playing the piano, whatever it is. Um, so that from a creativity point of view and allowing yourself to be more productive and higher performing is an incredibly valuable thing to do. Now, the other side from an enjoyment standpoint, uh, there's a concept that I, I created uh, it really uh, came to fruition over the last few years that I call blending, which is about bringing two totally separate things or seemingly totally separate things into one and blending them together, which again allows you to be higher performing, but it also allows you to enjoy the process much more. Um, I remember when I was uh, back in Australia and had some meetings in person, it was often the case where, uh, where we'd go for a hike together. and you know, he wanted to go for a hike. I wanted to go for a hike. We would go for a hike together rather than have the meeting in the office. And some great ideas would come out of that. And so all of a sudden, creativity is there, enjoyment is there, and I'm still we're still getting things done. Uh, the other part is is have a look at how you can blend uh, the things that make you you, the things that make you unique. 
and blend them into if it's a role, if it's a business, your business, you have maybe have some more flexibility, but whatever it is for you, whatever situation you're exposed to, have a think about what it is that you could blend in that would allow you to experience more creativity more of the time while still getting things done. For me personally, one of the big parts is travel. Uh, I hadn't even been overseas until two and a half years ago. Um, now I live <laughs> permanently in different countries around the world. Uh, and the reason I've been able to do that is because it's built, in, one, it's built into the brand. Um, and I deliberately did that. I did it by design. It allows me to be in different parts of the world. And I built a business model that allowed me to do that. Uh, that's, that's one, one way. Uh, the other is experiences. Again, it's part of the business model. I go out, you know, just this year, there's been bungee jumping and paragliding and uh, wakeboarding and being out in rainforests and hiking and mountain climbing and all of these different things. Uh, that, again, has been creatively designed specifically based on this concept of blending, which people might have to wait to go on a holiday, for example, and they're only able to do it for two or three weeks of the year versus think about how could you blend it in in a way that is actually even more valuable for the people that you're doing it for. If you're in business, it's for your clients or prospects or partners. Uh, if you're in a team, then maybe there's something you can do within a team environment that allow you that allows that creativity to flow. Be creative about it, though. Be curious about what it is that you might do and how you can utilize the skill sets that you have, the talents, the strengths that you have that allow you to be more creative and build them into the thing that you're doing most often, which for you know, the overwhelming majority of us is work because you spend way too much time doing work to not enjoy what you're actually doing. Yeah, that's a really great point. I love the idea about blending. I mean, for me, that, that actually has been... Whenever I see entrepreneurs or, you know, business owners or, or people that, you know, have a, you know, a nine to five career, just kind of like a traditional career where they feel creatively, like creatively expressed is oftentimes when they're blending in that, that sort of like, it's not work-life balance. It's like work creative balance, you know, and being able to, being able to express themselves in the ways which they really feel like they need in order to feel a sense of freedom. And I think for a lot of guys, that's what we're, you know, that's what we're driven by. We're, we're, we're really seeking this sense of, of freedom and these, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like, however, that's defined for us. And so for some people, it's going to be traveling the world and, and that might be their sense of freedom for other people. It might be, you know, having a, a regular paycheck that comes in every two weeks and that builds the container of freedom for them. And within that container, they're able to, you know, write, write a book or write some blogs every once in a while or whatever it is for them. So mm -hmm. I love that idea of blending. And I think that that's huge for a lot of the listeners out there who are maybe wanting to just lean in and integrate creativity a little bit more in their life. So thanks for that. Um, in, in, in terms of in terms of um, one last thing that I wanted to touch on, I wanted to talk about relationships, and it's something that you know you have managed to do very well, considering that you travel so much, <laughs> and and it's and it's something that um, you know I think is really important because even as people who you know might be in the same city all the time, building really great relationships uh, can be a challenge. And, and social intelligence in our, in our society, especially in North American culture is becoming more and more important, you know, as, as technology ramps up and as it's, 
as it's more accessible to really have social intelligence drop off the radar, it's becoming more important. It's becoming more of a, of an, a competitive advantage almost in some way, shape or form. So tell me a little bit about why relationships are so important to you and maybe some of the foundational principles that you believe make for really great relationship building. I think this is a really good place to, to like talk about the framework around the zone of impact. We, we've talked briefly around self, others, and planet. I think this is really important because I, I'm, I'm a big believer as well. Like technology can be utilized to enhance the relationships that you have, or it can create even shallower relationships, which is what's happening in a lot of, in a lot of people right now. When we, if, if we think about um, two circles, right? Venn diagram on the left-hand side, that left circle, you've got your internal self, talents, strengths, emotions, thoughts, values, fears, all of the things that are internal to you. And then the right-hand side, you've got external. So everything outside of you, your tech, the technology, your relationships, Relationships, your friendships, your family, uh, the environment, work, everything outside of you. And when these two come into contact, let's say it's in terms of a relationship, for example, and that could be a friendship, it could be a business acquaintance, it could be a significant relationship, whatever it is. When you when that when you come into contact with that, inside that zone of impact is a magnifier. And it's going to magnify the things inside of you that are going on right now. And so if you feel judgment towards yourself, if you feel deep down that you're not good enough, if you feel deep down that uh, you're not loved or appreciated or respected, then often what will happen is in those relationships that will get magnified. And so if we use, uh, for me personally, for example, being in different parts of the world, LinkedIn is a huge part of my business. A huge, it's, it's become a huge part of my life in general because, you know, I, I went paragliding with somebody who introduced me from LinkedIn, who, who, who was introduced originally from somebody else I met on LinkedIn, who ended up, you know, there's this Spanish guitarist who plays with orchestras who introduced me to their virtual assistant, like the beautiful web of relationships that occur um, that happen when you, when you utilize the approach that I'll, I'll I'll go through, but having an understanding that it's a magnifier that if you don't under overcome, and this comes full circle back to becoming your own best friend, if you're not your own best friend, then you're not going to bring the vulnerability. You're not going to bring your true self to every conversation that you have. And the moment that you put the barrier up is the moment that you've stopped giving permission of anyone else who you're speaking with to remove their own barriers. And if you think about this zone of impact on that left-hand side, on the other end of the equation, so the person that you're actually speaking to, they've got their shit going on as well. And if you're unable to really build in the ability for you to be vulnerable in every conversation that you have and show up fully every single time, then there's going to be something that says, oh, there's just something not quite right about this guy, right? And uh, they won't be able to put their finger on it because they're not necessarily going to know from a, an emotional or social intelligence standpoint, but they go, it's, it, it's going to be an icky kind of feeling. It's like, oh, I just don't know about that guy. You, Everyone here speak, you know, listening in, you've, you've experienced that at some stage where you just know that there just isn't something quite right about this, this conversation, right? And so understanding that it starts with yourself, 
If you overcome the challenges you're experiencing and know that you're enough, know that you're loved, no matter what you're exposed to, you can handle it because you're your own best friend. You've got the resources available to you. And if you haven't got the resources specifically, you know with resourcefulness how you can find that stuff and solve the challenges. And so bring that to the relationship allows you to build trust extremely fast. I know I've found that for me personally where there's been people that I've had a conversation with in a totally different part of the world like on the, literally on the other side of the world. And I remember there was one specifically, there was a, a woman in Toronto. We're really good friends now. And she said after about 15 minutes, she said, like, we don't even know each other and it feels like we've known each other for years. And in my mind, I said, perfect. Because that's what you want to be able to bring to every relationship. Now, is that going to mean that you're going to get along with everybody? No, there's going to be people that have bullshit. There's going to be people that are out of alignment with your values and your beliefs. But by you bringing your true self to every conversation, it allows those people who are aligned to that to connect even more to it. And those who aren't, to be repelled by it. And that's perfect because you want to polarize as best you can because in building of relationships, you want to be able to be in connection and building the depth of connection with people that actually care about you, that would actually do anything for you because that's the depth that we're actually looking for as human beings. I mean, we're, we're connective beings. We, we, yeah, and, and I think from a social media standpoint is it's yeah, at the end of the day where, um, we're creating, as a species right now, a lot of people are creating uh, shallow relationships. And uh, I'm here to say, you know, from a technology point of view, you can use that same technology that people are using to build shallow relationships without any real depth and using it to fill voids for something they believe they don't have to actually enhance the relationships that you've already got and actually improve upon them no matter where you are in the world. Um, so that'd be, that'd be some of the key points that I'd suggest there. Nice, brother. Well, thanks very much. I think that's a huge insight. And uh, we need to start to wrap up here, but I just wanted to really quickly touch base with uh, what you have going on in the future because you are you're, you're going to be traveling quite a bit in the coming months. And so I wanted to first off uh, see some of the or hear about some of the countries that you're going to be hitting up. And I would love for you to give uh, a little bit of insight uh, maybe recommendations to people on where they should travel, like where, uh, where do they need to go before they die? Basically, I, I would love to, I would love to hear you answer that question. Where, where do people need to go before they die? Awesome. Uh, so <laughs> that's a really good question. Uh, from a, in terms of countries coming up, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's likely <laughs> that uh, uh, there'll be Peru, Ecuador, um, other South American countries, Chile, uh, Mexico. There, there's some of the some of them coming up. Uh, in which order? Um, I have I, I have I have things laid out. But if, again, if you'd said that I was going to be in Argentina, um, even just a few months ago, I would have said you you know there's no reason for me to be there. Um, so I, I like to leave it open. And it comes down to the different projects that I that I embark on in the different places as well with the, the filming that I do. So um, in terms of what I have going on, there's a the project that I have called A Place Called Earth, which um, which is all about helping people make a greater impact in the world um, through music, through film, and through education of helping people break through the things that are holding them back. And so continuing to go there, the, la- the last few months has been Costa Rica and Colombia and now Argentina. So, yeah, South America is likely to be for the next uh, next year or two. Uh, but when you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this, I could be in a totally different part of the world and I'm totally okay with that. Um, so that's that, um, in terms of where to travel, um, this is, 
it really comes down to what it is that you're wanting to experience, I believe. But I, I'm a big believer in in experiencing nature because uh, in experiencing nature, you connect back to what matters most. Uh, you connect back to this planet, which is the thing, the very thing that keeps us alive. And um, when I was in Costa Rica, specifically in Monteverde, um, there's a number of uh, rainforests there that are protected and there are these beautiful huge trees that it feels like there are, you know, just amazing stories to tell. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's one place there in terms of Monteverde. Uh, the, what do I say? The other, other place, I, would, I mean, Osa Peninsula is amazing as well. There's something really magical about being there. And then in, in, I'd say Ubud is another one from a spiritual point of view. I had some amazing experiences there in Bali. Uh, the final one that I think I would mention is, um, is, is, is in Colombia, uh, Sierra Nevada de Santa Marta. Um, the local indigenous tribes believe that that's the heart of the world. Um, I was just there, um, with no internet and no electricity for most of the time, uh, with a reforestation project there. Um, I'm a big believer from, in, in terms of going to Colombia, um, and experiencing parts of Colombia where you get the contrast at the moment in Colombia, there is both amazing things going on in terms of protection, but there's also destruction of rainforest, for example, destruction of things um, in terms of cutting trees down and mining companies, extracting resources from really precious places. It's a, it, it's an emotional thing to go through, but I'm a big believer in experiencing both ends, ends of the spectrum to allow yourself to connect even deeper and, and increase your sense of purpose in the world to actually make an impact. So I would highly recommend uh, getting out to Columbia at some stage as well and um, like I said, Sierra Nevada is is amazing. Um, just some of the creatures that were there, and um, and and it's, it really is just a magical part of the world. Incredible, man! Incredible. Well, thanks for the insight and the recommendations for everybody else out there. If you want to go learn more about Cameron, you can just head on over to thrivingcollective.com. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. Cameron, thank you so much for joining me on the Man Talks podcast. Absolute pleasure, man. It's been a blast. Wonderful. And for everybody else out there, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Leave us a review. It goes a long way uh, to getting our podcast into the ears of other listeners. Feel free to share it with a friend uh, and head on over to mantalks.com. You can check out more blog posts. Uh, we have writers from all over the world, uh, more podcasts from our previous episodes, and you can watch some of the videos from our live events. Connor Beaton signing off. Uh, join me next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring individual. Mm-hmm.